Let me invite you to take your Bibles and turn with me to Ruth chapter 2. Ruth chapter 2. And the stated text is verses 18 through 23. I'm actually going to begin reading at verse 17. So if you'll follow along, Ruth 17 through 23, and I want to take a moment to welcome all of those who are joining us uh, via our Facebook live stream. Thank you so much for tuning in today, and we want to welcome you, and we hope that this will be a blessing and encouragement to you. Thank you so much for joining with us. We read God's Word now. Let us hear the Word of the Lord. So she gleaned in the field until evening. Then she beat out what she had gleaned, and it was about an ephah of barley. And she took it up and went into the city. Her mother-in-law saw what she had gleaned. She also brought out and gave her what food she had left over after being satisfied. And her mother-in-law said to her, Where did you glean today? And where have you worked? Blessed be the man who took notice of you. So she told her mother-in-law with whom she had worked and said, The man's name with whom I worked today is Boaz. And Naomi said to her daughter-in-law, May he be blessed by the Lord, whose kindness has not forsaken the living or the dead. Naomi also said to her, The man is a close relative of ours, one of our redeemers. And Ruth the Moabite said, Besides, he said to me, You shall keep close by my young men until they have finished all my harvest. And Naomi said to Ruth, her daughter-in-law, It is good, my daughter, that you go out with his young women, lest in another field you be assaulted. So she kept close to the young women of Boaz, gleaning until the end of the barley and wheat harvests. And she lived with her mother-in-law. This ends the reading of God's holy word. May he write its truths on our hearts today. Let's pray together. Our Father in heaven, we're so thankful for the power of the gospel and how we pray that you would take the word today, that you would write it on our hearts, that you would open our eyes and our ears and our hearts and our minds and give us understanding we pray that you would reveal the Lord Jesus Christ to us today through the pages of your holy word and that the Holy Spirit would come and be our teacher and lead us and guide us into the truth. We claim this promise today. We thank you for it. We ask this through our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Well, it's only right this time of year uh, with the holidays, Thanksgiving and Christmas, that we are a little more mindful than normal of how thankful we should be, how blessed we are. Our consideration of God's blessings results in this gratitude and this thanks that we give. And also, I think we're a little more mindful to be uh, giving and sharing with what we have to those who may be in need. We all think of this uh, adage around Christmas time, uh, given in the verse that we read earlier, right? It's more blessed to give than receive. It's all about giving, right? It's not about receiving. We try to teach this to our kids, don't we? 
But as I, I mentioned about Thanksgiving last week and in the previous weeks, Christians should not need a holiday to make sure that we're thankful, should we? This should characterize us. And neither should we need a holiday to remind us to share. This should characterize us, should it not? How could we, the recipients of more than we could ever imagine, how could we not share? Well, we have pictured in our text today what it looks like when one is blessed the way Ruth was, the way we are, and that response to the covenant blessings of God. And so in all uh, of our consideration of what God has done for us, in light of this, I just want to ask you if we are sharing those blessings with others. Is this what characterizes us? You know, 2020 has been a crazy year, hasn't it? I'm sure most people would say, boy, I can't wait for the calendar to flip. Nothing may be different on January the 1st, but at least it won't be 2020 anymore. And all around us, we have people, somewhat much worse than us, who are, are hurting. They've lost work. Uh, maybe they've lost family. There is more anxiety and depression and discouragement and anger than I've ever seen in my life right now. It's a tragic thing, but it's also an opportunity, isn't it? And the question that you and I have to ask is, what are we doing? Are we rallying to the cause of Christ? Brothers and sisters, the Lord has indeed blessed us and He has sent the Lord Jesus into the world. And because of that great blessing, we must receive. And not only receive, but we must also share the hope that is in our hearts. That's our calling. That's our purpose as a church. And this is pictured beautifully for us today in this story of Ruth. How do we see it? Well, our focus, as I have said, is going to be on sharing our hope. And I want to present to you today three features of sharing that are seen in our text. And the first is the pattern of sharing. The pattern of sharing. As we come to verse 18, it's important to see how these last seven verses function in the story. Think about this with me, if you will. We have uh, seen this unfolding of Ruth and Boaz and their coming together and the conversations and the meal and so on and so forth. Very important to the story, right? No one would deny that. But don't forget Naomi. Naomi resurfaces in the verses that we're looking at today and it's very important for us to remember that she is very much an important part of the story. And I tell you this because all around us, this week ahead, you are going to run into a Naomi. Maybe more than one. 
What do I mean? Well, think back with me for a moment. Remember, remember Naomi? We we're going through chapter one. Uh, what was it that Naomi said? Naomi is a hopeless person, a despondent person who's lost everything. She's lost her husband. She's lost both of her sons, and Naomi has lost all hope. In fact, when we go back and look at her words, which I'll read some of for you here in just a moment, I'm convinced that Naomi believed that she was under a curse. She was under God's curse. The hand of the Lord is against me, she said. I went away full and came back empty. The Almighty has dealt bitterly against me. If you remember when she came back and some of her friends went to see her, she said, don't call me Naomi, call me Mara. Remember what Mara means? Bitter. Her life is so bitter when people call her her name. <laughs> she says, that's what I want to hear. Maybe there's some bitterness in her heart toward the Lord. Maybe there's some resentment. But who could blame her? I mean, she's lost everything. I can't imagine what it must be like. <laughs> and there is no hope that things are going to get any better. She has no future. Her life is going to be a life of misery and poverty and dependence on others. She's at the very bottom. She's an older lady. She can't work anymore. She has no, no security, no provision. She's going to be taken advantage of. This is her, her life till she dies. And In fact, I think that the text really hints to us that in her mind, she's dead. This is the person that Ruth comes back from the field to. Okay? This person that's lost it all and is without hope. And as I said, these are the kinds of people that you and I will cross paths with this week, this month, for sure. They need hope. Now, do we have anything that we can offer them? Well, let's see. <laughs> Notice what Ruth does here. Ruth, I think, reveals to us a pattern of, of sharing. And what I want us to see here is that first, Ruth works. Now, I know you are all excited about hearing that word. I know that's one of, one of our favorite words, isn't it? We love to work. We love to get up early and go to work and work all day. This is what Ruth's been doing, remember? What, what was Ruth doing? Remember, she got up early. She was there first thing in the morning, and she worked hard all day, barely took a break, worked on into the evening, then, after harvesting all the grain that she had collected that day, she, she beat it out, meaning that she separated the, the stalks and the husks from the grain, bagged all that grain up, probably about 40 
to 50 pounds. Uh, at the beginning of verse 18, it says that she took it up. And, and the word there is actually a picture of somebody bearing a heavy burden. So, so this is a, a picture of somebody working hard. And, and there's really an emphasis on Ruth working. If you'll look at verse 19, uh, Naomi's questions, Where did you glean today and where have you worked? And then her answers. So she told her mother-in-law with whom she had worked and said the man's name with whom I worked today is Boaz. Obviously there's an emphasis on this word work, isn't there? It's amazing what we can see sometimes when we just look at the text closely. I want to propose to you in case you have missed it that sharing should characterize the people of God I've already said that and our working is God's means to allow us to share when you and I go to work we aren't just earning a paycheck so that we can pay our bills and buy us stuff God is giving us an opportunity to share. Now, it may not be a lot. And I don't mean that, that those of you who are retired need to come out of retirement and go back to work so you can have more money to share with. No. Not, I'm not just talking about going and working the 9 to 5 job or whatever it is your schedule is. I'm talking about being faithful and being diligent with what God gives you. Maybe you're unemployed. Maybe you're looking for work. Maybe you're retired and, and you're not working. Well, under no circumstance should God's people be characterized by sitting around doing nothing because God has blessed us. Ecclesiastes 9 and 10, whatever your hand finds to do, do it with all your might. If you're a, a stay-at-home mom, you should be stay-at-home momming if you'll allow me to create a verb, <laughs> with all your might. If you're going and working the 9 to 5, you should do it with all your might. If you're retired and then maybe doing this and that and the other around the house, do it with all your might, with your eyes open, that the Lord's going to bring people into your life to cross your path who you may be able to help, who are in need. Ruth not only gave from what she had earned, but she gave what was given to her. And so the, the second thing that I want us to see in this pattern of, of sharing is not only working, but also giving. Notice the second half of verse 18. She also brought out and gave her, Naomi, what food she had left over after being satisfied. Now, remember, Ruth had sat down and had a meal with Boaz. And remember, he had given her so much roasted grain that she couldn't eat it all. Well, what did she do? Well, she sent it back. No. Or she just threw it out. No. During that meal, Ruth was thinking, I've got a hungry person at home that's waiting for me. And so either in some little pouch or a pocket or something, she put that leftover food. And when she got home... She has this big, heavy bag, 40 to 50 pounds of barley that she has harvested that day that probably can't be eaten in that form. But we don't know the last time Naomi ate. She may be sitting home hungry. 
And so as Ruth was eating herself, she was very mindful, I'm not going to be able to eat all this. I'm satisfied. I'm going to give what's left over to Naomi. She had received, and now she gives. This, this meets an immediate need, and we need to be mindful of this. There are people who have needs. And if we're aware, and if we're able, we need to help, don't we? This is who we are. But what happens next is, is where Ruth gives Naomi the real sense of hope, the, the, the real shot in the arm. So, so Ruth works, she works hard, and, and then she gives. But the next, I want us to see in this pattern of sharing that Ruth announces. You may say, wow, that doesn't, that doesn't really fit here. I, I see working and sharing, but announces. Well, after the questions from Naomi in verse 19... Look there at the end. So she told her mother-in-law, this is Ruth speaking, with whom she had worked and said, the man's name with whom I worked today is Boaz. Now, I, I, I tell you this third element in the pattern of sharing is announcing, and here's why. Uh, where you see it says, so she told her mother-in-law, that word told there is actually a technical word that means to report, to give an account, to announce. You and I talk all the time. We tell each other things. That's not what this is. This isn't just chit-chat back and forth. This is a, an official announcement. The, the, the Greek word here that's used in the Septuagint is related to the word angel. And we know what angels do. They're messengers. They, they announce. And it's important as it was that Ruth met a physical need in working hard and bringing home that, that barley and then that roasted grain that Naomi could eat right away, well, that's meeting physical needs and that's great, but that only sustains one in this life. So much more important is us announcing the good news that brings one eternal life, right? Surely we would recognize that someone's eternity matters much more, right? Folks, it's great to work hard. We should. It's great to give when we see needs. We should. We should do everything we can to help. But let us not forsake announcing the news. That is our calling as a church. This is something that should characterize us. We can help feed someone. That's wonderful. But you and I have, in the gospel, the bread that came down from heaven, our Lord Jesus Christ. And that is what we should be giving to those who cross our paths, who are in need of hope. Amen? Well, that's the, the first feature of sharing, the, the pattern of sharing. And it leads us to the second feature, which is this. The one shared. The one shared. The emphasis of what Ruth shares with Naomi is not the what, meaning the food, and not really the where. Remember, Naomi asked the questions, where? What does Ruth tell her? 
She tells her about the who. It's about the who, right? It's about this, this name Boaz that comes from her lips. And, and so if you can imagine, picture this, Ruth gets in after a, a long day of work and she's got the sack and she puts it there and perhaps they start separating it and putting it in smaller bags. Maybe they put some on the fire to roast. And, and she gets out the roasted barley and Naomi's ready to take a bite. And Ruth says, the man that I worked with today is named Boaz. And I just picture Naomi freezing. What? Yeah, Boaz. <laughs> hmm. Well, suddenly, this bitter, hopeless, lifeless woman has a gleam, a flicker of light. <laughs> I want us to to consider this exchange here between Naomi and Ruth as they go back and forth in this conversation. Remember I told you the dialogue in the book of Ruth is essential to understanding it, right? And so there's a conversation here that takes place after Ruth comes in from working all day. And what I want us to do as we think about this conversation is to see six characteristics about Boaz. And I want us to note particularly the Christological implications. Christological, that's not a word I use a lot, but what does that mean? Well, it means pertaining to Christ, right? First, Boaz recognized her. Again, if you will, at the end of verse 19, uh, Naomi says, Blessed be the man who took notice of you. Now, we've seen this phrase before where Ruth was talking with Boaz and she basically asked him, How is it that you could take notice of me or recognize me? And remember, it's a play on words. Ruth is a foreigner. She's a Moabite. It's like when we look at something that we don't understand, we don't really pay it any attention, do we? Hearing a foreign language. Well, we don't really pay close attention because we don't understand it. But Boaz recognized her. He spoke to her. He addressed her. This is the new girl, first day in the field. She's a foreigner. She's at the very bottom. And the person who's at the very top stopped what he was doing and acknowledged her and spoke to her. Blessed be the man who, who took notice of you, who recognized you. The unrecognizable one was recognized. And I hope you can see the, the implications there for us. Because you and I, at one time, were unrecognizable, unknowable. We were so pitifully disgusting to look at but somebody looked our way and they spoke to us and Jesus says this my sheep hear my voice and I know them he knows us isn't that wonderful <laughs> he recognizes us second we see that Boaz is near 
He is near. What do I mean by that? Well, verse 20, Naomi also said to her, the man is a close relative of ours. What we need to notice here is that what Naomi is pointing out is not simply that Boaz is just a relative, but that he is a close relative. The noun that's translated close relative is from the verb form that means to come near, to approach. Now we saw this idea expressed last time in verse 14. If you remember, uh, Ruth was off in the distance at mealtime and Boaz told her, come up here and eat. Come close. And the idea now is, is carried out, but with a little bit of a different spin. Boaz desired that physical intimacy, that closeness. Come close. Sit at the table with us. Not only is there a physical closeness, but there's a legal closeness that has to be there. In other words, there's a legal qualification that has to be met or this story just kind of fades away. We'll see more when we get into the next couple of chapters. But Boaz is close. He, he meets the requirements of the law. Requirements to what? Well, that takes us to the third characteristic, which is that he is a redeemer. A redeemer. Again, verse 20. The man is a close relative of ours, one of our redeemers. Now, there's a, a lot to say about this, and I'm not going to be able to say it all today because this is actually going to unfold more fully when we get to chapter 4. So I'm going to save a lot for then. But for now, let's point out a couple of things. We, we're familiar with this word redeem, aren't we? This is a Bible word. We don't use it a, a lot anymore. When I was a kid, we, we used this word uh, because we collected stamps, S&H green stamps. And we'd collect them, and then after we got a bunch of them, we would redeem them. In other words, there would be an exchange. And, and so we're familiar with that usage of the word. In other words, there's someone who needs to be redeemed. This word is used in Exodus 13 of what God did for Israel. He, he came down to Egypt, and he paid the price to get them out of slavery. Now, that's the, the typical use. But it also has a different use, and, and, uh, and when it refers to a relative, it means to save from difficulty or danger. To save from difficulty or danger. And we have to remember that this is exactly where Ruth and Naomi are. Two women, they've been gone for 10 years, they come back, it's almost like they're strangers, and this is Naomi's hometown, but they've been gone. They don't have any men. They don't have any provision. They don't have any protection. And they're in danger. And they need a redeemer. And guess what? Boaz is one of the redeemers. And so the question now, as the story builds up the suspense, is will he act to save these young ladies who are in danger? Well... We'll see, won't we? Fourth, I want us to note here that Boaz is kind. He is kind. We, we noted early on in our study of the book that kindness was an important 
word here. In fact, I told you, if there's one Hebrew word that you want to learn, it's the word kesed, which means kindness or loving kindness. Or, or actually, this is such a loaded word in his excellent commentary on the book of Ruth, Daniel Block points out that this word wraps up in itself an entire cluster of concepts, love, mercy, grace, kindness, goodness, benevolence, loyalty, and covenant faithfulness. That's a lot, isn't it? <laughs> so this is, a, this is a big word. You and I just kind of toss out kindness sometimes, and it's a good word. Oh, he's kind. Well, that's good. What do we mean? Well, you know, he smiled when he spoke to me. Uh, there's a lot more here. And you'll notice that Naomi says that he has shown kindness to the living and the dead. Now, who is she talking about? Well, we could say that she's talking about her and Ruth. They are the living, right? And the dead, who are her husband and her sons, but nothing's really been done for them yet. This is why I think that for all intents and purposes, Naomi thinks she's as good as dead. <laughs> I think this statement here is a reference to her and Ruth. Ruth, you're still living. There's hope for you. Me? Not going to marry again. Not going to have kids again. In that culture, <laughs> that's what it meant to be alive. You surround yourself with life. Naomi, remember, had said, The hand of the Lord is against me. <laughs> I went away full and I came back empty. Those are words of hopelessness and death. And so I think she's referring here to herself. And now there's a, 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 a glimmer of hope. One has shown kindness. And then finally, notice that Boaz is a provider. He is a provider. Now, there's a connection, a, a sort of, with him being a potential redeemer. But as I said, at this point in the story, that, that's only poten potential, right? He's, he's potentially a redeemer. We don't know if he's going to do it. But... At this point, he has been a provider, and in a couple of ways. How do we see it? First, in the provision of food. Remember, he told Ruth, you come to my field. You always have a place to glean. You come here. I'll tell my men to make sure that you are, are watched over. And not only that, when you come here, you don't even have to cut. You put your sickle, you leave it at home. You can glean among the grain that my reapers have cut. So there's the provision of food. But there's also the provision of safety and security. Remember, Ruth is in a dangerous place. She's a foreign widow. She doesn't have a husband. She doesn't have a father. She doesn't have anybody to stand up for her. And Boaz has said, look, you come to my field. I've spoken to my young men. No one's going to touch you here. You're safe. 
you have a place where you can come to work and not only get an abundance, an overabundance of food. Ruth took home that first day what it would usually take three or four people to, to get. You have all of that and you have security. You have safety. How great and abundant is the Lord's provision for us. Imagine all that He has done for us. Can you imagine that? No, you can't. This is what the Lord says with regard to what He's done for us. Ephesians 3.20 Now to Him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think, we can't even imagine all that God has done for us. Think. Your, your best thoughts of heaven, you haven't even come close. It's a lot better than that. The blessings of God that we enjoy presently, they're all around us. Many of them we don't ever even acknowledge. First Corinthians 2 9 what no eye has seen nor ear heard nor the heart of man imagined what God has prepared for those who love him we can't even imagine it how wonderful it is the provision of God and what a beautiful picture we have here in this man Boaz the one that Ruth shares with Naomi he recognizes his people he's he's near He's a redeemer and he's kind and he provides abundantly. And this is what our Lord Jesus has done for us. And we've received him and we must not just receive him, but we must share him as well. Remember, uh, it's not about the what, it's about the who. You may be diligent and faithful, and let's be honest, you may not have a lot. You may not have a lot that you can share with someone. You may not have a lot of money or a lot of things. But if you know Jesus, you have something much greater than anything. And those out there who cross our paths, who've lost hope, that's what they need. They need a person more than they need anything. Will you share him? Well, there's a pattern of sharing. There is one who must be shared. And then finally, I want us to see the response to sharing. The response to sharing. What does our text tell us about the response? Well, I want us to see, first of all, inclusion. That's the first word that came to mind for me as I was reading through this passage. And uh, as I said, don't forget Naomi. Uh, we know that Ruth is a part of the story. And this conversation that, that she and Boaz had earlier, she's been, she's been brought in. And, and not just a place to work, a place to gather food, She's been given a seat at the table. 
Boaz has made it much easier for her. What you would have earned in a day, you're going to earn three, four times that much. You're going to be safe. But what about Naomi? Well, we see that Naomi recognizes that she is included as well. Look again at her words. The Lord has not forsaken the living or the dead. The man is a close relative of ours, one of our redeemers. Now, if we're not careful, we'll think, well, Naomi's not a part of the story. She's not getting married. She's, she's just the old lady. She's, she's an afterthought. Folks, when we get to the end of chapter 4, if I can just kind of uh, sweeten this for you a little bit, <laughs> you will see what all of this means to the old lady. She's central to the story. And she recognizes here that she needs redemption. And she is included in this. And so, brothers and sisters, our faithfulness to the Lord means that we recognize not only what it means to us, but what it means to those around us who we may not realize are in the story. Listen, folks, everybody around you is potentially in the story, okay? <laughs> Don't write anybody off. If we would have written anybody off in this story, it would have been Naomi. Okay, I don't even want to deal with her. I don't like her. She's a mean old lady. She's bitter. She's given up. But she hasn't been forgotten. She's included. Second, I want us to see the response of worship. Notice again what Naomi says when she sees all the food that, that Ruth blesses her with. Verse 19, Blessed be the man who took notice of you. And then later when Ruth reveals that name of Boaz, may he be blessed by the Lord. Now, these statements by Naomi are outbursts of praise and worship. Yes, it's Ruth's work. It's Boaz's field. But the Lord receives the worship, and rightly so. As I said, I, you know, we may not really like Naomi. And for all the problems that she has and all the things that we may dislike about her, uh, we need to recognize that she worships the Lord now. And actually, this has been a pattern. If we go back to chapter 1, we can see her, her words there. From chapter 1, verses 8 and 9. May the Lord deal kindly with you. Remember, she's trying to send uh, Ruth and Orpah, her daughters-in-law, away. Go back home. But she says, May the Lord deal kindly with you as you have dealt with the dead and with me. The Lord grant that you may find rest, each of you in the house of your husband. Even in this time of lament, Naomi shows us the response of worship. She still worships. 
And now that she has gotten this, this news of Boaz, she erupts with praise and worship. This is a prayer. May, may God bless this man. May the Lord pour out his blessing on Boaz. And, and Boaz was the most blessed man in town, wasn't he? Remember, he's, he's already very wealthy. What Naomi is, is doing here in this worship time is asking God to, to, to bless him roundly in every way, not just with physical things, but bless him with spiritual things. As we go about the Lord's work, sharing as he gives opportunity, though we are the one sharing it's never about us is it it's never about us this was not about boaz this was not about ruth the worship belongs to the lord romans 11:36 reminds us for from him and through him and to him are all things to him be the glory forever may our sharing result in the praise and worship of our great Redeemer, our Lord Jesus Christ. And then finally, I want you to notice this. We have here inclusion and worship. And the final response to sharing is faithfulness. Faithfulness. How do we, how do we see this? Well, I want you to look again at verse 23. It says, So she, Ruth kept close to the young women of Boaz, gleaning until the end of the barley and wheat harvest, and she lived with her mother-in-law. Now, with this verse, this, this scene and this chapter comes to an end. And basically, it's almost a, a kind of a, 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 hum, a ho-hum conclusion as the curtain is drawn. You know what it says? And so Ruth went back to doing what she was doing. Now, with all that has happened here to her and with all that's happened in this scene with Naomi and the excitement and the news, what did Ruth do? Ruth went back and tried to nudge Boaz. She concocted a plan. She just stopped with all that had happened to her, she said, we're in good. Everything's great. No. She just kept, kept on doing the same old, same old. Brothers and sisters, there's a lot to be said for just staying faithful and being steadfast in what it is that the Lord wants you to do. And in Ruth's case, what was it? You know what she did? She got up the next day early. She went to the field. She worked all day. She brought home a big sack of grain and she did this day after day after day. In fact, the text tells us that uh, it was until the end of the barley and wheat harvest that she did this, which is several weeks. And so we have several weeks that pass that we don't know if anything else happens. But what was Ruth doing? She's getting up every morning. Going to work, 
bringing it home, sharing with Naomi. In other words, she was doing that which she had committed herself to doing way back in chapter 1. I'm going with you. Wherever you go, that's where I'm going. That's where I'll be. I'll be with you till you die. Death will not separate us. I've made a commitment. And there's something to be said about being faithful to our commitments, isn't there? It's our calling to share, to share what we have, to share what God has given us, our daily bread, and also, as I said, the bread that has come down from heaven, our Lord Jesus Christ. But we can't and we don't bring about results, do we? Nope. We're just faithfully sharing. We're just faithfully being aware of what's going on around us and meeting the needs that we can and faithfully sharing the good news and so the Apostle Paul says in 1 Corinthians 4, 2, This is how one should regard us, as servants of Christ and stewards of the mysteries of God. Moreover, it is required of stewards that they be found faithful. Ruth is a picture of faithfulness. And in time, she would reap a great reward for her faithfulness, wouldn't she? But she didn't know when it would be. Until then, she just gets up and faithfully does what it is that she knows to do. And the rest she left up to the Lord, and so it is with us. Amen? Well, we don't know what the Lord's going to do. I don't go out, and, and I'm not motivated to share with others in the hopes that they're going to start coming to our church, that they're going to make a profession of faith, that they're going to turn their life around. I, I don't know that. And I don't base my sharing on how I think that may or may not happen. I don't share the good news of Jesus only because I think, ah, oh, this person's ready. I don't know. There have been many, 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 many times where someone shared the gospel with the lost and that person at that moment was as hard and as indignant and resistant as they could be. And yet, at some point, maybe the next day, maybe a year later, the Lord worked. We can't bring about results. But we can be faithful. And that's our calling. Amen. And that's my prayer that God would grant faithfulness to His church as we share what He's given us. Let's pray together. Our Father in heaven, we're thankful for Your Word and how we pray that You would use the good news of the Gospel to challenge us to bring us to repentance, to strengthen our hearts, to encourage us as we contemplate the great glories of the good news of our Lord Jesus Christ. We pray all of this in His name. Amen.